0: Amen. Please be seated. I forgot to mention at the beginning that we've had our 24-hour prayer. Many of you came along, um, but we've left our prayer room set up in the coffee lounge so that those of you who weren't able to come along during the 24 hours can see the kind of things that we did during that time. There's prayer stations set up, so we're going to have coffee in there as usual, um, but you have opportunity, if you didn't come, to look around at the various prayer stations, the activities and maybe add some prayers of your own if you'd like to but it was really good, we didn't have many people signed up when we had the sheet but actually lots of people came during the uh, 24 hours and there was only a a couple three or four hours that we couldn't fill uh, which some people were praying at home as well so that was really good and we will have another one um, later on in the, well, next year that's right because we like to have it when the weather's not so dark (laughs) (laughs) Don't like to pray in the dark. Um, So it's time for children to go to their groups, children, young people. And for those of us who are staying in here, maybe say hello to someone we haven't met before or someone we have but we'd like to say hello to, have a quick chat. While you're doing that, I'm going to hand round a basket that's got pens in and little feet. Please take a foot and a pen. It'll become clear. A pen. Take a foot and a pen. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm good at that (laughs)
1: one. No, no, sorry.
0: Ritty-ho. There's feet and there's pens coming round, not real feet, obviously. Card feet and pens. Please do take one and a pen. It will become clear why you might need one later. Um, the past couple of weeks we've been looking at a series on living for Jesus in the places in which you find yourself. It follows on from the series we looked at on the front line, our front lines, the places that we are every single day as opposed to the place that we gather together once a week um, on a Sunday. We've looked at how we are people who are from the kingdom of God and so we, we are called to live by the ways of God rather than by the ways that we find around us and the ways that sometimes we find very attractive but we're from the kingdom of God and we're called to live from his kingdom and the ways of his kingdom wherever we are. And then we looked at The fact that God is everywhere, not just when we gather together in church or house group, but actually that we can have surprising encounters with God in the most unlikely places. And that it's... Well, we should keep our eyes open. And that our role is to respond to these encounters. What is God doing? And how can I join in with God as his people, wherever I am? And today... We're going to be looking at the things that we do, the things that we're engaged in, and how we can live for God in those areas as well. But David's going to come and read the passage to us this morning.
1: The reading is from Colossians uh, chapter 3, beginning at verse 15, and it should be on the screen. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, Obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eyes is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving.
0: Thank you, David. I didn't realise we, we had this passage to speak on until I looked at it earlier in the week and I thought, oh, brilliant. <laughs> Got the wives one, excellent. Uh, but do you know, it's easy when we read this passage and ones like this in the Bible to focus our attention on the controversy of everything. You know, the wives submitting to their husbands, the children obeying their parents, the slaves obeying their earthly masters. And the fact that husbands, fathers and masters seem to get away fairly lightly in comparison to this. There have been lots of books written, of course, lectures given, arguments had and lifestyles lived based on what people believe Paul intended by this passage and others like it in some of his other letters. And it's easy for us to focus all our attention on this side of things. Did Paul really mean to set an ageless way of relating in just these few verses? Was he simply addressing the situation of the time? Or did he really believe that slavery was okay and servitude was a woman's role? I could give a talk on all that this morning, but you know, I'm not going to, because I don't actually believe that that was Paul's focus. And I don't necessarily think it should be our focus as well when we look at this passage. Because it seems to me that when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Colossae, a church struggling to find the truth of Jesus in and among lots of false teaching that was happening at the time, he wrote it not to set a social structure, but so that these young Christians would know about Jesus Christ. And more importantly, having realised the truth of Christ, that they would then be able to follow him in every area of their lives. You see, at the time of Paul's writing, there was a group of people who were going around teaching mixed messages to Christians. They had quite simply mixed up the message of Christ with other mystical and pagan teachings and beliefs of the day. And at the time of writing, there was a danger that this young church in Colossae, full of men and women and children and slaves and household servants who had given their lives to God, were about to believe things that were not true. Things that bound them again to rituals, to rules of living that they didn't need to be bound to, to ways of being that were not from God. And so Paul writes this letter to first and foremost remind them of the truth of Jesus Christ. God made you alive with Christ, he says in chapter 2. Therefore, do not let yourselves be taken up with anything else. Do not be judged by anyone for what you drink or for what you eat or for what things you celebrate and what things you don't celebrate. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, he says, is found in Christ. Or if you like, he begins by saying, Do not believe these lies. Which you are being fed, because in Christ you are free to live. For in Him all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. And then He goes on to explain and offer advice on how to live for Christ, not only in church when the believers are gathered together but also in their everyday situations, the places they find themselves in, their front lines, if you like, if we wanted to use that terminology. The places where they have their everyday relationships. Relationships in their marriage, relationships in their work, relationships at their workplace and their home. Relationships that are established and active, where they are called to live as Christians. And this is pretty much what this passage is talking about today. It's not a timeless way of interacting that Jesus has ordained for men and women. And of course there's no question that it is not a timeless way for slaves to relate to masters. It's not saying that slavery is right at all. It's not a controversial piece of scripture that can be taken out of context to back up an argument or watered down until it is barely audible and sort of ignored. It's simply the way that things were in Paul's time of writing. It is part of a letter that offers advice on how to live for Jesus in ongoing situations of every day. And it begins by focusing on the church, calling these young believers to be united Or not to let these untruths have their way in the church body. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly, Paul says. As members of one body you are called to peace. Not arguments or belittling or controversy, the results of false teachings that are being brought into the church. But instead live at peace. This is how the church of God are called to relate to one another. And whatever you do, he says, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. For instance, says Paul, in your everyday life seek to live for Jesus, not just when you're in church, when you're aware that you should be living as Jesus intended, not just where there are people around you who might teach and admonish you, but when you're at home as well, and when you're at work too. And then he goes on to offer advice on how to live in these places and under these different circumstances in which they find themselves in. He says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not embitter your children. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. Or if you like, live out your lives for Christ in all situations in which you find yourselves. Not just when it's easy and obvious that you should be doing that, but also when it is hard and difficult to know how on earth to live for Christ in that situation. Because, you see, in Paul's time, these relationships that he addresses here followed age-old accepted patterns. They were part of the culture of the day. They kept society working as it did. For instance, women in the time of Paul, of course, were simply possessions. They were owned, first of all, by their father when they were children as they grew up, and then when they got married, they were passed on to be owned by another man, their husband. Children, likewise, whether male or female until they got to a certain age, were of very little value, worth almost nothing. And slaves, well, slaves were owned and treated according to how their master felt fit. So here Paul is offering advice to people who either normally had no voice, no say in the situations they were in, or to people who didn't want any advice on how to treat their possessions, the things that they own. And the reason he's doing this is because he wants, in the light of what Jesus has done for these new believers, in the light of all he explains at the beginning of the letter of Colossians, to enable these believers to live out transformed lives in small ways that would be impossible to achieve without God. Do you know, recently my son Joshua decided that he wanted to learn how to juggle. we have been to the school fair, the summer fair, and there was a oh circus thing, and he got into this juggling. Now, I can juggle. It's possibly one of the only things that I can do. It's wonderful. <laughs> Suddenly I go, hey, juggle. And, you know, it's quite impressive, even though it's not really actually very hard. And so... Joshua got all these balls and he was going, How do I juggle, Mum? You know? And I'm like, well, not like that, because that's clearly dangerous. I said, first of all, we have to start with, you know, small. One ball. Okay? He said, all right then. But then he got a bit fed up with that. Well then we went on holiday and he wanted to practice with the stones on the beach. Well, you know, there was a lot of near near fatal incidences of people sitting in front behind myself, stones flying everywhere, and I said, no, you've really got to start with one, you've got to start small you've got to be able to catch one ball and then you've got to know that actually you're not just throwing one up and passing the other, but you're throwing two balls up into the air, you've got to then go with two well, we did that for a bit, not very successfully but we did it, and he's now got some juggling balls, and he's practising, and he's not got very far, he's not quite got the one, but you know he's getting there and you know maybe he'll never get to the three or the five that he wants to do maybe he'll never get there but in a way that doesn't matter because we're learning to take baby steps towards something new We're learning to do something different and we're taking small steps. And here Paul's doing the same things with these new Christians in Colossae. It would have been totally unrealistic for him to dismantle age-old systems of his day. To tell the women that now they had just as many rights as men. They were equal, even though they were. To suddenly dismantle everything that anyone had ever known, would be totally unrealistic. To say to slaves that you are now free, you can do what you want, even though they were. The whole of society would tumble down on its head and no one would have any resources. But equally, it would have been a travesty if he had allowed the Christians in this setting to continue to treat each other as they had always grown up treating each other. To continue to think that women were possessions, that children were nothing, that slaves could be treated however they wanted. It would have been a travesty. And so he offers advice that will help them to take baby steps to live for Christ in the situations in which they find themselves. He doesn't ignore home life and work life and simply focus on living for Christ in the church. Just as he doesn't accommodate a completely unrealistic transformation from no juggling balls to five straight away. But instead, he calls these believers to walk that hard road that we have to walk if change will take place, a road that requires them to live for Jesus within situations that they find themselves in, even if they hate those situations, to take baby steps, if you like, towards something new, knowing that they may never get to that place in their lifetime but that their actions would speak volumes to those around as they live for Jesus at church and at home and in their workplace. And, you know, as we read this passage, I'm well aware that it's so hard for us to get past the uncomfortable seeming acceptance of these relationships. This isn't the way it should be. Jesus didn't think it was the way it should be. God doesn't agree it was the way it should be. But there's been years and years between that way and this way now. And baby steps have been taken. It's hard to see that actually in this time Paul was not condoning these things for eternity and saying this is okay. But instead he was encouraging transformation. He was opening the door to something new, both inside the church and out. He was asking for baby steps to be taken for Jesus. For lives to be lived, not under the rule of those in human authority, but under the rule of Christ. And he says that when he concludes, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever you do, whoever you are, wherever you are, seek to live for Jesus in those situations and among those people. Which... I guess is also a challenge for us today. Maybe not in the same way as it was for people back then. But we still struggle to live for Jesus in relationships, in different types of situations and different types of places. We may find it easier in church because we're expected to live for Jesus. But when we're outside of church, when we're at home, when we're at work, when we're in our friendships and our families, it can often be a different ball game. And it's these kind of situations that Paul urges the Christians who first received this letter and us who read it now, not to give up on, but instead to take baby steps to seek to work for Jesus in the situations in which we find ourselves in. Whether it be a relationship or a work issue or family dynamics or friendship struggles or whatever it might be, Paul urges us to take baby steps for Christ. Knowing that whether we see total transformation or not doesn't really matter. Because what matters is that our lives are lived wholly and truly and fully for God. Not just when we feel like it. And not just when we find it easy, but at all times. whether Wherever we are, whatever we find we are doing. And yet that's why you've got the, uh, the baby feet, the baby steps do you get what you see what I've done there because there's lots of different situations for each of us it won't be the same for any of us I imagine those things that we find very hard to live for Jesus in could be a work situation could be a relationship we're in could be family, whatever it might be there are always situations for each of us where we find it hard to live as Jesus would want us to where we find it hard to take those little steps And we actually just want the whole situation to be transformed rather than seeking to follow Christ within it. And so I wanted to give opportunity this morning for us to maybe write down on our feet that situation doesn't have to be detailed, just whether it's work or friends or whatever it might be. The situation that we find it hard to follow Christ in and that we just want it all to be different a situation where we need to take baby steps for Jesus and just give our lives to him within that situation. And we're going to have opportunity just now in the quiet to write down on our feet what it might be. And then as we sing the next song, I'd like to invite you to, if you want, to bring your feet up to the front and to just offer that situation to God by offering the feet before the cross and saying, this is difficult for me, but I want to take baby steps for you. If you can't come up to the front, if you find it difficult to walk or you're playing music or whatever, then do give it to someone else to bring up if you'd like to. I just want to give you a few minutes to write on your feet that situation, that relationship, which is difficult. So as we look towards a new day, a better time, may God help us in this time now. Take baby steps for him, however difficult that may be. May God strengthen us and keep us and walk with us always. Amen.